Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week we'll be joined by Dr Eric Thrain from the University of Monash, a researcher into astrophysics. Ever wanted to know what exactly makes up gravity and how it actually traverses across our galaxy and influences everything in our lives? Well, we're going to find out today with some of the research done by Dr Eric Thrain from Monash University and how they use LIGO to help solve some of the mysteries of the universe. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. This week's Lagrange Point is going to be a little bit different. We're going to be coming to you live, or rather a live session of recording, from the Young Scientists of Australia Melbourne Chapter's Casual Cafe Science Talk Series. This one's going to be from the Cafe Science Series on the 24th of July 2015, where we found out a number of interesting facts about astrophysics, gravitational waves, and also some biomedical research. But the primary speaker was Dr. Eric Thrain, from Monash University, who gave a fascinating talk about gravitational waves and the mission to detect them. And we're going to cut to that as our primary story for this week, but we'll be coming back to our discussions with Dr. Eric Thrain throughout the next couple of episodes, as well as tackling some of the interesting questions that were raised at this science cafe. Now, as this was recorded live in a science cafe, you'll have to bear with us for some of the background noise, but we've done our best to try and filter that out for you. In anything, it will add a bit of the ambiance that you can only experience when enjoying science in a comfortable surrounding. So make your own cup of tea, pour yourself some coffee and have some scones as you listen to the recorded session and major talk from Dr. Eric Thrain from the Casual Cafe Science of YSA Melbourne Chapters. We'll also be advertising the future events coming up, so if you want to get involved in the next one, you can join in as well. Meet us and have an enjoyable evening out discussing science. Before we launch right into the talk from Dr. Frayne, we'll talk a bit about what he actually did and studied before he actually got to where he is. We have a more in-depth interview with him later, but a brief summary is that he studied his undergraduate in physics and philosophy. So he did science and philosophy, um, his undergraduate studies. And then after that, he continued on and did a PhD in physics from the University of Washington in Seattle. After doing that for a bit, he worked quite closely in data analysis at a number of universities, including the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis, California Institute of Technology in Pasadena, then made his way across the Pacific Ocean to Australia, where he joined Monash University in Melbourne in a school of physics and astronomy. Now, he's focused a lot of his research into gravitational wave astronomy, and he's a member of the Laser Interference Gravitational Wave Observatory, which is known as LIGO Collaboration which is seeking to make the first direct detection of gravitational waves. So most of his research actually has evolved around trying to find these and work quite closely with them. Since 2011, he has co-chaired one of LIGO's four data analysis groups tasked with discovering stochastic gravitational wave background proof. So it's a lot of fascinating work on some of the big questions in physics out there today, working on some of the biggest apparatuses in astrophysics that you can use to measure some of the fundamental properties of the universe. So the talk from Dr. Thrain today will be on gravitational waves and his research in a nice quick summary.
so um, thank you uh, for inviting me to uh, speak here. And uh, I guess this is the inaugural uh, session, so I appreciate being, being first. Um, <laughs> we have some people I know from Monash here, um, and Melbourne Uni is uh, over at this uh, end of the table. Is that some Melbourne folks? No? All Monash. <laughs> okay, all right. Any Swinburne people? Swinburne, all right. Excellent. So, um, <clears throat> I'm an astrophysicist. I work at Monash University, and I'll be talking about um, uh, gravitational waves. Uh, they lend themselves to pictures, so I made a little PowerPoint to uh, show you some things. So uh, gravitational waves are predicted by Einstein's theory of general relativity. And general relativity gives us this picture of space-time as like a rubber sheet. And this rubber sheet of space-time is warped by the presence of mass and energy. So you think of like the motion of the moon around the Earth. You can think of the Earth as being like a big bowling ball on this rubber sheet. And it actually, I don't know if you can see this, but it's warping the fabric of space-time in its vicinity. And this motion of our moon around the Earth is not the uh, Newton's picture of action at a distance and the Einstein picture. This is just the, the sort of shortest uh, trip uh, that you can take on this kind of curved space-time. So this is the picture we have in our heads when we think of Einstein's theory of general relativity. And if you turn the crank on the mathematics of this theory, one of the things it tells you is that you can have ripples in the fabric of space-time. And these ripples are called gravitational waves. This is a little visualization of them. The basic idea is that if you have matter and it's moving, and it's moving in an asymmetric way, these ripples move away and they cause space-time itself to, to wiggle. They carry with them energy, <coughs> angular momentum, and they move at the speed of light. It's a form of radiation. It's gravitational radiation. And there are, in, in theory, you know, if I, I move my hands around like this, I'm making gravitational waves, but they're, they're very, very weak. So if you want to think of ways of making strong amounts of gravitational waves, uh, the best thing you can do is put a lot of uh, mass and density into a small place and then move it around. So one of our favorite examples in gravitational wave astronomy are uh, pairs of neutron stars. These are a binary system composed of dead stars that have uh, collapsed into an area the size of uh, Melbourne. Uh, it's kilometer-scale objects. And as they go around each other, they emit gravitational waves. And the gravitational waves carry away angular momentum from the system, and so the neutron stars eventually get closer and closer together and merge and form a black hole. Now, the uh, gravitational waves from this type of event, as it uh, turns out, are... Um, at frequencies that are very close to the human ear. Does anyone know uh, frequencies that the human ear hears? 20 kilohertz. 20 kilohertz. So 20 to 20 kilohertz is, a, is a, an excellent uh, answer. That's, that's what your headphones should be rated for. So I'm going to play this as an audio sound because the gravitational waves, you can, you can change the rippling of space into an audio file and I'm going to play it. So you can it. I don't know if it'll be loud enough for everyone to hear. All right, well, I'm going to have to wing it and do the audio for you, which is fine. <laughs> so it enters at the, at the lower bound at the 20 hertz. So it's going to start low and it's going to sweep up as they get closer together. It honestly sounds like this. <laughs> so that's the system getting closer and closer together and eventually merging. And it sounds very like a flippy, but it's in fact this uh, very violent event forming a black hole. So if you want to think about what a gravitational wave does as it passes through us, it distorts space-time. And you could visualize this as follows. Imagine that you're in space just floating and you had some, some test masses that were just sitting around in a circle. As a gravitational wave passes through these test masses, it will stretch them first in one direction and then in the other. So this is an example of, of showing you how this works in, in 
this is me being stretched by a gravitational wave. The amplitude of a gravitational wave is measured by how the, the fraction that it stretches. So it's a, it's a unitless quantity, change in length per length. Does anyone who hasn't seen my lecture on this already want to guess how small of a strain we expect from gravitational waves? You know that it can't be big, right? It can't be point. 0.01 or something, because we would fe we would feel ourselves being stretched. So, well, how small do you think this is? Unitless number. It's going to be bigger than the length. Well, that's a length. We need a unitless number. So, one in a million, one in a billion. Let's go one in a billion. One in a billion. One in a quadrillion. It's one in ten. One in ten to the twenty-three. <laughs> so this is a this is a, a number that's incomprehensibly small. And you might think that with when you're trying to measure something so small that you have no hope of ever actually uh, detecting. Um, however, we we are um, working on an experiment trying to detect this. We do think we can do this. Before I show you how, I'll, I'll say why we think that these things exist. So, if you look at systems like this with uh, radio astronomy, and you can actually watch the system getting closer and closer together. And this is real data uh, of this famous pulsar, which is a, a neutron star emitting radio waves. And it's been trapped since the 1970s. And we see the system slowly shrinking with time. The period of oscillation is shrinking. So we know that it's losing angular momentum. And this is the type of data that, you, that physicists salivate over. It agrees so perfectly with this model that is the prediction from general relativity. So we have strong indirect evidence that these things are out there but we haven't actually seen them directly yet. We haven't seen space shrinking. Here's how we actually plan to do this with the experiment, the experiment that I'm working on, which is called LIGO. It stands for Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory. We essentially take a very high-powered laser, uh, you know, bright enough that if you put your hand in front of it, it would, it would burn you. And we split it uh, in half with a beam splitter and send it down two arms. Each arm is four kilometers long. At the end of the arm, there's a mirror, which is hung as a uh, pendulum, so it's free to move. When a gravitational wave passes through this interferometer, it modulates the length of these two arms, shrinking one one way, then shrinking the other one like this. If you've ever done an interference experiment, then you know that there is an interference fringe on this beam splitter, which means that the uh, light that comes uh, out of here is can, you can, it can either dark or light, uh, depending on the length differences in these two arms. So by watching the amount of light that comes out of that port, we can look for it to be modulated in this time-dependent way, which can show us the contractions of these arms, and therefore hopefully detect gravitational waves. And this is the facility, uh, not a cartoon now, this is the actual thing, um, superposed next to Uluru to give you a sense of how big this is. This one is in eastern Washington, in the northwest part of the United States. We have two of them. And these are these four-kilometer-long arms, and here is a control station. Uh, it's hard to get a sense of how big this uh, facility is, um, but I'll zoom in on one of these arms. This is how big it is compared to uh, a, a, a truck. So this is a huge experiment, and it's in the middle of a desert um, because uh, uh, we want to have it away from anthropogenic noise. You can imagine if you're trying to measure something that is uh, no bigger than 100,000 the size of a nucleon measured over a distance of four kilometers. You don't want to have people walking by with you know, pipes and you know, construction equipment around. So this is actually on the reservation where the United States stores its nuclear waste. Good place to go visit. This is what it looks like inside. And these are these giant uh, optics uh, that we hang. Um, I thought I would uh, 
test uh, your ability to recognize people. And I, I, normally I do observational work, so I analyze data looking for gravitational wave signals, but occasionally they open up the vacuum and let me inside the detector. One of these people, no joke, is me. And I, this is just a fun thing. Can you guess which one? This, this guy. All right, I'll the big reveal. In fact, this one is me. Good, well done. Um, so this was uh, during a, um, a couple of years ago, a commissioning period where I got to go and help out with the instrument itself. Here is some data, um, uh, which I, you, I'm not going to talk about too much here, but you can, you can ask me about it. I'll pull out my laptop later if you want. You can, you can look at it. But this is, this is showing for this recent um, uh, uh, period where we're working on improving the sensitivity of the detector. And we can now get it down to strain sensitivity of about 10 to the minus 23, which where we think that we'll be on the cusp of having these detections of gravitational waves. And I think that's all I had. I plan for just a short talk. Um, if you want more information about um, LIGO or gravitational waves, you can just Google LIGO or go to LIGO.org. Um, I have uh, some more information about uh, gravitational waves myself on my webpage. You can Google me to find my webpage on the first hit. I'll mention for the Melbourne and Swinburne folks, I didn't put Swinburne um, on here, but we have gravitational wave groups at other universities in the Melbourne area. So. Both Melbourne and um, Swinburne have groups that also study this. Um, and so uh, I think, yeah, with that, I'm happy to take questions, or we can do that uh, with me sitting down and whatever reports. So, thank you for your attention. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Gravitational waves are something that's fundamental to our universe. However, something that we need really big machinery to measure quite carefully. And once we solve them, we can unravel the mystery of gravity. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.